on ABC Radio. You're with Michael Pavlich. We're very fortunate this morning to be joined by John Olson, who's put together a book all about the life and times of Tony Cohen. Good morning, John. Morning, Pav. Thanks for having me. What a wonderful read you've put together there. Uh, yeah, it's been a while in the making, Pav, but um, yeah, it's good. I, I was able to read it myself um, when doing the editing because I hadn't read it for yeah. well, quite a few months, so it was kind of it was apparent that it was actually pretty good, I must say. <laughs> Look, I, and uh, what you've done here, you, you haven't put yourself in the book at all. Basically, this is just Tony Cohen speaking. You've, you've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews that you recorded with Tony before he passed away, and you've sorted through all of those and come up with this book, which is just in his words, which makes it perhaps even more powerful than, than it would have otherwise been. Yeah, I think it was important that it was only Tony. Um, it was when it was done at one stage, I'd interviewed uh, a lot of the people Tony worked with, um, including uh, Nick. And it was that was going to form part of the narrative where it would be t- a conversation of Tony and then it would go back to people commenting on, on the events Tony was talking about. But um, when, it, when he died, uh, uh, all that was taken out, and I think it's much better for it. Uh, you just hear what Tony has to say. He's yeah. the only voice right through. Uh, very difficult to write a book like that. I know it must have been a huge labour of love for you because there's a lot of work involved in sorting through all that stuff. Uh, obviously a rewarding labour of love as well, but there, there must have, it's taken you years to put that together, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Pav, uh, Tony started doing bits of it in 2012 and then uh, interviewed Tony the next year for the, it was part of a project for the Film and Sound Archive and uh, Tony asked, said uh, I knew the dates of when things had happened a bit better than he did and would I, would I help him with it and yeah it did take quite a while and, and then uh, unfortunately Tony died in 2017 so nothing happened for a while there, uh, about half of it was done uh, Parts of it were still interviews that I had to transcribe with Tony, and I tried doing that, uh, but uh, hearing him was a bit bit difficult. So I left it for a few years and then tried again and, and found uh, it was actually enjoyable to, to hear his voice, and, and Tony had a great laugh, and he would yeah. punctuate everything he said with a laugh, and so that, so that was good, so then I could start again to finish it off. Great sense of humour. It certainly shines through in, in the book in a, in a big way. And as you mentioned there, he, he was a little bit troubled towards the end of his life. His health wasn't the best, and so it must have been sort of difficult collating all that. And you, like I said, you've done an incredible job. And were you surprised by the level of interest or the amount of people that came forward to say lovely things about Tony? Um, not not after meeting Tony, no, because uh, uh, he, he was a very lovable person. And uh, and it became apparent after talking to just one or two people uh, how much affection people had for Tony, mm-hmm. regardless of, of whether he may have let them down on occasions. Uh, that, that didn't, uh, it may have been annoying for them, but it didn't diminish uh, the affection they had for him. That's great. Look, there are two heroes that emerge from the book. Um, one is Tony Cohen's best friend, Chris Thompson, who he grew up uh, in the same street as him, in the same neighbourhood. They both became sound engineers. Both became ARIA award-winning sound engineers, mm. had a very close relationship with each other. And Chris uh, and Tony worked closely together. Chris often would help out Tony um, when he couldn't complete a recording or got in a little bit of trouble. They were spiritual brothers in many ways, and he's one of the heroes that uh, emerged from the book. He's a very important a presence in Tony's life, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Tony would go missing sometimes. Uh, the the very introduction uh, to the book is uh, talking about the recording 
of uh, Tender Prey and and Chris comes up immediately in that, uh, taking over and, and doing one of the songs or two of the songs actually for that album. But most definitely uh, Chris is present through the whole thing from about age probably 14, I think, uh, onwards. And yeah, their, their careers uh, moved in, in parallel, yeah. uh, often working at the same studios, uh, Richmond Recorders. Uh, Chris came to work there as well. And then when Tony went overseas, uh, Chris took over a lot of the work that that Tony was doing as well. And Chris, of course, worked at uh, the ABC and did a lot of work on the TV program Recovery, and I think he dragged Tony along to help him on some of those sessions as well. Yeah, he did, and as uh, Chris said, um, Tony got to, to do some of the quite memorable ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a couple mentioned in there in particular, uh, John Spencer Blues Explosion, which uh, some people may remember. It was They went crazy in that, the studio. They did. They uh, smashed things up, and it, it's it's amusing to watch back. And uh, Tony recounts uh, sitting in the broadcast van and how hilarious he found that that whole thing. It's incredible the amount of uh, artists, Australian artists, that are mentioned in this book that he worked with. It seemed like everybody at one stage wanted to work with Tony Cohen. I mean, if you go through it, you've got the go-betweens, Hunters Collectors, Cold Chisel, Be Suburban, The Saints, Michael Hutchins, The Cruel Sea, Tism, Paul Kelly, Billy Thorpe. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. He really was a formative presence in the Australian music scene, wasn't he? A lot of, a lot of those early ones, uh, as I've said in a couple of interviews, that Tony uh, wouldn't say no to people. He was prepared no. to try things, and and for a lot of those early acts you mentioned, um, yeah, uh, the birthday party, laughing clowns, models, that they wanted to try new things, and and Tony was the engineer that that gave them the opportunity to do that, and and as a result, yes, everyone then wanted to work with Tony as well. Uh, some went things went better than others because perhaps his temperament didn't suit them, uh, but. Yeah, it's an amazing collection of bands that he worked with. He was he was really lucky. Likewise, they were really lucky to work with him too. It's a bit hard to know exactly what song to play because the list is so enormous here. Um, <laughs> I'll just we'll start off with I won't play anything from it because everyone's very familiar with it. But there's a Cat Stevens song that appears in your book called Another Saturday Night and I Ain't Got No Buddy, Buddy, which is a Sam Cooke song, I think. No, very few people probably know that that was recorded in Australia, but it was uh, yeah. Cat, Cat was on a tour and Tony talks at length about a recording studio that uh, Bill Armstrong owned uh, in South Melbourne, uh, where he learnt uh, from great engineers, Bill, uh, Roger Savage and Ernie Rose. And th- this is a session that Ernie Rose right. did. And uh, Tony was the, the assistant uh, or the, the tape operator uh, who uh, got fired for not re- rewinding the tape. At the <laughs> <laughs> on that particular session. <laughs> on that particular session. So uh, someone else was, was brought in. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this was uh, recorded in Australia and as a yeah, massive hit. This one. Huge hit. And a lot of people don't know it was recorded in Australia, let alone that Tony had a, a hand in it as yeah. well. Another band that uh, popped up there early on the piece was uh, Supernaut and a track called I Like It Both Ways, which a lot of people will remember from Countdown. Uh, yeah, I understand it was massive, this song. A huge song. <laughs> yeah, it was the number one for ages. Well, this was kind of an intro. Another uh, person uh, people may not associate with Tony is Molly Meldrum. And uh, Molly got Tony to work on this, and it was he had done a couple of things uh, beforehand, but this was the first uh, really uh, thing of note uh, that he did. Oh. And he was the engineer uh, with Molly, the producer of the song. And then uh, t- Tony went on and finished the album with the band as the producer. I'll read through the list of songs that Tony Cohen was involved in, and a lot of people go, wow, I've never heard of this guy. I can't believe he had so much involvement in the Australian music industry. As, like I said, Cat Stevens, Another Saturday Night, and I Ain't Got Nobody. I Like It Both Ways from Supernaut. The Ferrets, Don't Fall In Love, Billy Miller. 
Yeah, well, that's a huge song. That um, followed on from Tony working uh, on the Supernaut uh, recording with Molly Meldrum and uh, the ferrets came down from Sydney and uh, Molly loved them. Uh, he said he'd found the new Beatles, uh, was what he said when he, when he heard them. And he got Molly to be uh, Molly got Tony to be the engineer for that, and it went on for a very, very, very long time, uh, eighteen months apparently, all up. Um, <laughs> but uh, "Don't Fall in Love" was actually done in one night. Uh, oh, okay, and that was the uh, the one that became a hit. And apparently, it was the B side. There was a song called "Lies" that was going to be the A side, which it's they'd spent an enormous amount of time on. And three uh, X Y liked the flip side instead, and it. Became a huge hit. Number one hit mm. again on Countdown that was played for many weeks in a row. And we move on to he started working with the Boys Next Door, a seminal Australian band, and he recorded one of their seminal tracks, uh, which is Shivers, of course. Yeah, well, Shivers was that was when uh, Roland Howard had joined yep. the band. As so, Tony moved over. He did a he toured with the Ferrets as their live engineer, and they did a tour as support uh, with Blondie. Uh, when Blondie first came to Australia. And then after that, Tony moved to Richmond Recorders and would just record anyone. Uh, he was the house engineer, so anyone right. that came in, Tony got them. And uh, the boys next door happened to be someone that came in and Tony didn't know them at all. And they'd done uh, side one, uh, had been done in another studio, but they weren't so happy with it. And uh, Roland had joined. So he was a songwriter himself and brought a lot of songs to the band and they came into Richmond Recorders and uh, Tony was the person they got. And the whole of Side 2, including Shivers, uh, was recorded with Tony and then they uh, w went on to work with him for on and off for decades. Yeah. And look, uh, Modern Girl, James Freud, another one, another big hit. I think that was the number one song as well. Yeah. Well, that was one... Uh, where someone else had been brought in to record that and Tony was called in, as he said, to fix it up. James Floyd later to join the models, but mm. he hadn't joined at this stage. And Tony, of course, worked with the models in some of their early and very uh, excellent recordings that they did. Um, two Cabs to the Toucan. What yeah. a great song that is. Oh, uh, well, he, yeah, they, uh, as you mentioned, um, James joined later, but at that stage he wasn't in the band at all. And yeah, Tony worked on their, their first album. Uh, uh, Alpha Bravo Charlie, yep. and then uh, the Cut Lunch EP, yep. uh, and uh, yeah, fantastic recordings on that. A band experimenting and an engineer experimenting with them. Some fine moments there in Australian music. Those two uh, talking to a stranger. Speaking about fine, yeah, moments, hunters and collectors. Another huge song. Yeah, that Tony was involved in. Uh, well, Tony had worked with them on uh, their EP, and then that album, and he actually recorded a lot of the demos of that at. Uh, you mentioned earlier his childhood friend Chris Thompson. Uh, he actually recorded the demos of that at Chris's house, the house <laughs> Chris was renting while while Chris was in, in Manila uh, recording Paul Kelly. Then I'll move on a little bit to some Cole Chisel. He did work with another huge Australian man, of course, Cole Chisel. And that, their song Saturday Night, the, at the start of that song, there's all these sound effects of the street. And I believe mm. Tony and Don recorded that uh, pretty much yeah. walking down the street. Yeah, it's on uh, Darlinghurst Road. Okay. In King's Cross, and Tony remembers that it was actually a Saturday night that they did that. <laughs> right. And uh, that they were walking on either side of the street, uh, Don uh, with a lapel microphone, very small, and Tony on the other side of the street uh, with a huge mic on a boom. 
Uh, so he was very obvious and, and said that made him the target of, of, <laughs> of any drug dealers on the street. Yeah, I'm sure anyone street, walking uh, down uh, King's yeah. Cross seeing Tony with a big microphone. Yeah, or wondering stick. what was going on. So he, yeah, he copped all the abuse, right. he said. <laughs> That'd be right, send him to news always do. Uh, another one I want to mention here, then he went on to work with the Beasts of Bourbon. Again, another... <laughs> Seminal Australian act, and they did that. They did a cover of a version called of a song called Psycho, mm. which was a huge track. And the, again, this was a the, pretty much their first recording as this uh, this outfit. Yeah, I definitely was. Yeah, that that was at uh, concurrently while he was working on the Cold Chisel recording, and he did that um, at uh, Paradise uh, Studio, same by uh, Billy Field had a song Bad Habits, and they did that in one afternoon. That whole album. Um, but actually mixed in that afternoon too. So they would play the song once or twice, which would be the first time Tony heard the song, and then he would record it down to a stereo track. Okay. So there was no mixing after the fact. He, he had to do the whole thing there, he, there and then. You mentioned Billy Fields there. He actually rang in the program uh, six months ago. Oh. It was good to talk to him. <laughs> they were good songs, the two songs he came out with, Bad mm. Habits and If I Went In Love With You, and very nice studio apparently. Look, while we're talking about the Beasts of Bourbon, I just want to. I've got a text here that says, "Can you ask to, um, why there is so much reverb on the Beasts of Bourbon's Low Road album?" Uh, he liked a bit of reverb. He, he did like he? reverb. Um, at that, there were there was a lot of equipment at that stage, uh, which people were gravitating to. Uh, and if you listen to a lot of recordings from that period, there is reverb. Then we go on to talk about the Saints. Uh, I'm just keeping. Bringing out big bands, big Australian yeah, you know, you bands. Checking it out. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it goes to show the depth of work and the respect that the industry had for this man. So it's important to mention just you know how how huge he was and how many people wanted to work with him. Uh, the Saints, of course, Ghost Ships is one of his. Yeah, well, to, that so through that period uh, with Cold Chisel, Tony had moved up to Sydney. So all of these uh, ones you're mentioning were done in Sydney, uh, including the Saints. So that, uh, that was from an album, A Little Madness to Be Free. Uh, to to quote Tony, um, he he used up all his energy on ghost ships and uh, he didn't finish all of that album. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great song. While he was in Sydney in this period, is also he started, he connected with Paul Kelly. Yeah, well, that's, um, he did, uh, he'd done a Paul, Paul's very first recording, actually, uh, Recognition with the Dots. Oh, yep. uh, that's That goes back to Richmond Recorders. Uh, Tony recorded that, that very first single. Um, and then Paul was in Sydney at that same time uh, in the mid-'80s uh, and looking to be a solo act. And he'd done a, a song about uh, Dean Lucan because uh, the, right. the 1984 Olympics yeah. had just happened and uh, Lucan won gold. So Tony recorded that at uh, Paradise, and it it was a, se- a series of demos essentially for for Paul to to shop around to try and get a solo deal. I'd, I'm not sure if he did from that recording, but then a year or so later he did uh, Post and yeah, huge songs that everyone knows. Dean Lucan, tuna fisherman and weightlifter, tuna fisherman from Port Lincoln, very famous Australian there for a little while. Whatever happened to Paul Kelly's song of Dean Lucan? I don't, you? I don't think that's ever been released, no, actually. Yeah. Uh, so you'll have to ask Paul. Ring him very, up. Very interested to hear it. But yeah, there, wasn't the story goes that there was he was doing another session with the band? He was. He was working with a band called All Nighters, and they were a scar band. They were. Yeah. They were scar, and uh, uh, Tony had a Paul in the microphone cupboard. <laughs> And uh, hiding in the cupboard, hiding in the cupboard, and uh, told the band that he had a headache, which he quite possibly did from hearing horns 
horn section blasting at him. Uh, sent them home and uh, Paul came out and they recorded a couple of reels of tape of, of demos of all of his songs. Yeah, some of those songs went on to be on the album Post, I believe, So, which yeah. is a you know, great, well, I, I great would like, Paul Kelly album. Yeah, I'd love to hear those versions mm. that they recorded that night. Let's move on, shall we, because they keep coming. Mm, okay, uh, what have you got? i got the dynamic hypnotic soul oh. kind of feeling. There's, yes. there's one you wouldn't expect to see in the mix. No, exactly. Um, and some people might turn their nose up uh, <laughs> when uh, they realise Tony did that one, but he, he most definitely did. He, re- he recorded it, and I know Tony took some pleasure sometimes when people would uh, turn their nose up. He'd, he'd uh, proudly state that that was one of the ones he recorded. That's a, and it's a great production. Uh, it great is, song. and it's a great song too. Great uh, band as well. Yeah, well, that was what's in the book Tony makes a point of mentioning too, that they were a band that knew exactly what they were doing. And and how easy that makes his job when a, when a band mm. knows the song and how they want to play it. Now we move on from uh, dynamic hypnotics. Uh, he started working with the Cruel Sea. Now this is where the period of his, there was a big gap there. He lived mm-hmm. in England and came into hard times a little bit. You know, I mean, long way from home. His health started mm. deteriorating there. Uh, was working with a number of people over there. Uh, inclu- and I should mention this because I mentioned before one of the heroes that emerged from the book was Chris Thompson, his longtime friend and uh, you know some childhood friend that he lived with, but also uh, Mick Harvey, uh, member of the Bad Seeds, is another hero that emerges from the book because uh, I know um, uh, that Mick included Tony in the royalty. So mm. Tony every year would get a nice little royalty check from all the work he'd done, and that was um, because Mick Harvey who basically was the driver, I suppose, behind a lot of bands and the birthday party, he looked after Tony. He basically made sure that he got recompensated for his work as far as royalties. And it was nice for him to know that he wasn't forgotten. Yeah, well, Tony wasn't so good at business or he wasn't really good at business at all. Uh, What interested him was was recording and and music. And, yeah, most definitely um, Mick looked after him and and made sure that 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 was taken care of because Tony would probably not have taken care of that himself otherwise. Yeah, and it's great to hear that story because not often you hear stories of integrity in the music business. Yeah, yeah, and and Mick was obviously, um, if you read the book or even if you haven't read the book, so important to all the bands he worked with. He really, it's it's a Crime and the City Solution and another of bands. Yeah. Very um, influential presence in Australian music. Yeah, well, that that was one of the bands that Tony worked with um, when he was over in... In Berlin, and yeah, Mick clearly kept the show on the road uh, when it may have fallen to pieces. And look, it was tough going. I mean, they were all in England. They were basically living on top of each other. They had no money. They had no food. It was tough times. And so there must have been a lot of solidarity between all the Australian artists that were in London and in England at the time, talking about Dave Grady and Claire Moore and Mm. a number of other Australian artists that all congregated together, even the go-betweens. Yeah, well, a lot of those, um, like the go-betweens, and and I know uh, Tony sort of wished he'd gone earlier because uh, the go-betweens, models, laughing clowns, uh, they all went to England in the early 80s and and they went there with recordings that that Tony had had done in Australia, so he he possibly could have gone at at that time, but he he didn't until 86 or 87. It's funny you mentioned the laughing clowns, he one of Ed Cooper's band, so he actually had worked with both sides of the Saints yeah. after they'd split up. So again, that shows you the sort of respect that people had for him. Mm. Everybody wanted to work with him. We got a text <laughs> here from Alfie that said, "I got tickets to see the Beasts in Sydney this August. I can't wait." Ah, oh, yes, yeah, they're playing Sydney and uh, Melbourne mm. at Croxton Park. That'd be great. Well. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, we'll move on because he was in England, had a bit of a hard time, had to come home because his health started deteriorating. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then, uh, funnily enough, when he got home, he started getting more work here. And this is actually the most successful period of his life in some senses because he started working with The Cruel Sea. And their first album, uh, he produced that. It was very well received, but he went on to produce their other albums as well. Yeah, but they'd done something uh, down below with, with uh, Phil Punch and then uh, Tony was up in – he moved up to – he came back to uh, uh, Kongwak and then he went up to Sydney and he was in Bondi and, and a lot of these people were in Bondi, Tex and, and, and all that. And uh, so they, Tony started working with them and, yeah, the album was done quite quickly, the first one he did with them. Then the second one, uh, Honeymoon Is Over, was – quite an involved recording yeah. of that one. Um, and that's the one he won all the arias for, isn't it? Yeah. He, he won a uh, – they the Cruel Sea won four, uh, Titters won one, and so Tony's uh, aria that year was for producer of the year and that included uh, the Cruel Sea, uh, Titters, Texton and Charlie. Uh, there was about five other more. <laughs> right. five okay. others more Had a good year. Oh, he, he was on everything. Yeah, which, uh, you know, uh, knowing he was struggling with his health, they mm. you know, sort of put the music first almost. Uh, and and then the next year he won accolades as well. Yeah, well, the next year then he won uh, producer and engineer of, mm. of the year, uh, the following year. But and it, at this stage he had um, developed a, a diabetes mm. uh, from sort of lifestyle issues uh, and would be get the occasional hyperglycemic attack. And... I believe on the night of the Arias, that second uh, award, the second time he won the awards, that he he couldn't make it up to the stage. Yeah, Tony said that night he had a hypo, um, so yeah, he was he was sweating and and uh, so he didn't didn't when his name was announced, yes. he, he didn't go up on stage. He was he was at, at the back. I believe t- uh, the award was being handed out by Molly Meldrum, <laughs> um, and Molly's going, Tony, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> well, because Molly was always a great supporter yep. of Tony, and yeah, so it's it's as Tony said, it's unfortunate he couldn't accept that one. Um, uh, okay, well, so the Cruel Sea, this is not the way home, as you mentioned. The Honeymoon is over. Very successful albums, and certainly very influential in developing a sound for the Cruel Sea. Mm. To say as well. Well, and then also he start he was working then again with Tex on uh, Be Suburban. So the person yep. who texted before. Uh, he did the the low road with them as well, so he was working on a lot of things with Tex. Then yeah, there's also Tex Don and Charlie, which was uh, Tex's project with um, Charlie Owen yep. and Don Walker. He, he walked with those, worked with those artists quite a bit. Um, one I wanted to mention, of course, is uh, Dave Graney and his song "Night of the Wolverine." Which yeah, is a it's a great song. song. That's mm. a terrific song. And Dave Graney actually getting back together with the Coral Snakes as well and doing. A bit yeah, of well, they're doing a um, 30th anniversary of that album. Okay. Uh, that Tony recorded with them, and th- that was done quite quickly. That one, uh, Dave said that uh, Tony Tony turned up. I think it was six hours late <laughs> to that session. Um, they had one day at uh, Metropolis, which is uh, what was uh, Armstrong's, where Tony had started working, and they recorded most of it, I believe, in a day. And then there was another studio, Atlantis, uh, which was where the casino now is in in Melbourne, and uh, I think they finished the rest of it. The there and hmm. and mixed uh, but yeah that's a great album and the band is playing so well on that which is probably why it sounds so good in conjunction with working with tony now somewhere in amongst all this nick cave had a massive hit with where the wild roses grow a duet with kylie minogue yeah tony again centrally involved in that, yeah. that song um did he enjoy working with kylie um 
some of that was done uh, with Victor. Uh, he was an engineer on that as well. Uh, Tony didn't talk so much about. He did. He said that Kylie's uh, all she wanted was a bowl of lollies. That that was the story he had from uh, when she did her. <laughs> That, vocal that would have overdub. been a bit different to most of the other musicians you've worked with, I would have thought. <laughs> well, on, on that that recording originally, uh, uh, Blixer Bargeld sang Kylie's part. So there's Is, That's the guitarist in the Bad Seeds? Bad yeah. Seeds, who had been in uh, uh, Neubauten uh, in Germany. Uh, so, yeah, Tony had a, a recording of that, which, which they have put out since, which is uh, Blixer singing Kylie's part. Uh, duetting with, with with Nick. What's and, that? Have you heard it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's out there. You can you okay, can listen well, so, to it on YouTube or something. Oh uh, no, no, they released it as <laughs> okay. like a B sides or rarities wow. CD. So it's it's pretty much how Kylie sang it. Uh, that, so that was the template for for her to sing the part. You fried my brain. Oh, no, it's Blixer have, doing Kylie. No, have a listen, Pav. Yeah. <laughs> I'm have to check that. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Um, there is one album that is probably my favourite Tony Cohen album. I've saved one of those songs that we're going to go out with in mm-hmm. just a second. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about this. It's from an artist called Morris Frawley, and he was in a band called Morris Frawley and the Working Class Ringos. Tony recorded an album with them. I think it was Morris's last album. Yeah. It was called Triple Skin Marquee. It's actually been on the playlist here at local radio. A bit. We play a song called oh. Harness Down. There are a number of Great. big songs on it. But these... The, Sonics on that album, the ambience of it is just amazing. Now, some of the players as well, Charlie Owens, who you mentioned earlier, text on and Charlie, he mm. plays some just magnificent slide guitar on this album. Yeah. Conway Savage, Conway Savage is on it from yeah. the Bad Seeds. I think it's Des Hefner playing yeah. drums. Mm. It is indeed. Uh, a number of other great uh, musicians as well in that, and it's just a superb recording. And I've, the album. I play regularly at home, and it just has not dated. Mm. I still can listen to it, and it's still fresh as ever. And it's one of the gifts Tony had. He was able to take a band like that and just distill them into a sort of core sound and make it sound fresh and alive. Yeah, he he loved that band. He loved Morris as a songwriter. Um, Thought he was fantastic. And I think um, when you hear things that uh, Tony is really interested in, I, I think you can tell that in the recording that he's enthusiastic about the people that he's working with and, and it comes through in the sound. Yeah, and a very sad Morris Frawley no longer with us at all, but uh, I did attend the book launch and uh, mm. noticed that there was a very fine moment there with Morris Frawley's son got up on stage and did a duet of this song we're about to hear with um, with Charlie Owens. It was a lovely yeah, moment. Yeah, it was great. And uh, uh, anyone listening, ha- uh, have a listen to Martin. He's an album he just bought out called The Wannabe, and, and Martin's a really good artist himself. He's, so. in, a, he's in a band, isn't he? What, is he uh, it's all solo. Now, oh, he's got okay. a band around him, but it's under his own name. So, yeah, Martin Frawley, The Wannabe. John, it's been a really fascinating discussion. I loved a bit talking to you, and thank you for coming in very much, and thank you for putting the book together because it's just a fantastic read. Anybody who's interested in Australian music through through the decades, you want to check out Half Deaf and Complete Mad. It's just a wonderful read, and congratulations on putting it together. Also, for not putting yourself in the book, you've just presented Tony as himself, and you can, as you say, you can really hear his voice there. Yeah, great. Thanks, Beth. This is uh, Morris Frawley and the Working Class Ringo is one of Tony's finest recordings, in my belief. Mm. Harness down. Cheers, John. Thanks. Thanks.